0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Urban Spirituality and I'm delighted to welcome to the show somebody who I've been trying to chase for so long now and she's been just one of those tough people to get hold of and pin down. She's all over the place so it's hard to reach her but I'm delighted that she has crossed paths and I'm so happy that she's decided to join us here. She's gonna be speaking about a topic that I think it's close to a lot of our hearts. The soul knows, the soul really does know. And this is somebody who really works in the field of the soul. She's the director of the Ray of Light Spiritual Center, which is in London, England. She's also a Reiki and chakra master for the past 10 years, been practicing this craft over all those years. She's a soul coach, a life coach, and a very well-liked vlogger and Facebook personality. With a diverse and growing tribe, please put your hands together for the wonderful one and only Sneha Ramji.
1: Hey, Raj. Thank you very much for that lovely intro.
0: Okay, so look, Sneha, you're very welcome. But look, I could talk about you and introduce you all I like, but really, I want you to tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now. What is your current occupation? For the world out there, what are you up with in your life right now?
1: Okay, I would describe myself as a healer predominantly, although I have many strings to my bow. I teach meditation, I'm a chakra specialist. I also teach uh, people to connect back with their soul. So you mentioned about the soul knows. I very much believe that all our souls have a plan, a blueprint you would say when we come down to the earth we have a plan and as soon as we enter the body or when we are about two three years old we forget so then we got get caught up in maya illusion as we call it and i believe it's my job as a soul coach to reconnect you to your soul to realize what is your purpose why did you come here so what do I mean by that, why you're here? I mean, not today, but generally as your life. We forget the blueprint. So what I do is through meditation, through different techniques, we look at what is it that you're here to achieve. One of the people that I used to follow, well, he's still got a lot of teachings online, is Wayne Dwyer. He used to talk about the dharma. And he used to talk about that your soul had a purpose. So we all do. We And there's clues, you know, if you look back at your childhood, what did you connect with? So for me, I always wanted to be a teacher. At the time, I thought I'd teach maths or something, but actually it was spirituality. So I already have that inkling when I was young. What makes you passionate about something? What could you do all day without being paid, talk about it, be passionate about it? That is more than likely to be your dharma. It's not an easy road. It took me 20 years to figure this out. It doesn't have to take you 20. Hopefully, that's why you're listening to this. And that's why there's people like me who try and connect you to your soul so it doesn't take as long to find out your purpose.
0: That's intriguing. You talk about dharma. And uh, for those of you who are listening, folks, dharma is a word that's thrown around a lot. Dharma. And that word is... As you may know, it has its origins in the ancient, the oldest language in the world, Sanskrit. And in Sanskrit, the word dharma is often mistranslated as religion. And that's actually the not right, the incorrect meaning of the word. The word dharma actually refers to, it has its roots in the word dhri. And dhri, the root word of dharma, means the essence of something. So dharma is really that which is the essence of. And so when you say your dharma, it is what is the essence of you? What is it? What is your essence that you have to deliver upon the world? What is your mission? What is your dharma? And it therefore means what is your life's purpose? And you've just touched on that. And I think that is something that we can all resonate with. And like you said, you know, whether it's 10 years, 20 years or 30 years, that question has to drop in people's minds. Folks, this has to drop because if it's not dropping, then we are not deepening our experience and fulfilling our true purpose in life. It's got to do that. So we've talked about this and we've talked about where you are here now. And, you know, uh, well, you couldn't have been like this all along. There had <laughs> to be a time when there, there had to be a while now or something.
1: Well. So let's
0: let I want, to, I want to backtrack a little bit. Let's take the clock back a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Oh, gosh. Where do you want me to start? Where I was, when I was born or later on? There's a lot to, to be said, I guess.
0: Yeah, I, want, I know you've had a bit of an interesting journey. You've not lived in the UK your whole life. So why don't you start from your transition?
1: So I was born many years ago now, unfortunately, in Africa, uh, in Tanzania, which is in East Africa, near Kenya. And um, as usual, I was late. I didn't come out till 10 months. I had to be induced into the world.
0: That's like an Indian timing thing, dude.
1: Definitely. It explains why I'm late for a lot of things nowadays. Uh, I liked it in the room. It was nice and cozy. So I came out and unfortunately, there was another little drama, which was my tongue was um, stuck to the roof of my mouth. So I couldn't actually talk. So believe it or not, I might not have been able to do this or in- inflict my voice onto the world. So... The doctors either did the world a favor or not, depends how you look at it.
0: Yeah, we're going to be the judge of that now. I think uh, so you carry on, you keep talking, girl.
1: So yes, yeah, so I had this operation and now I have a forked tongue. So I actually live my name, which is Sneha. Sounds like a snake and my tongue is a little bit snake-like.
0: <laughs> what is actually, let me interrupt, what does Sneha mean? And which, you know, which uh, tongue, which language is that from?
1: Sneha in Gujarati means sne, means love. And uh, I try and live by my name.
0: I'm liking this. Carry on, carry on.
1: So, yeah, so where was I? Okay, so I was in Africa, and when I was about nine, my parents made a decision of bringing us to the UK to open up opportunities for education, learning, uh, basically to be somewhere that was more conducive to our lives. Um, then I left Africa, came here. Unfortunately, although I understand the reasoning why we came here, we had to leave everything behind. And there was a big transition where I had to try and come and fit into the world of England and London. It was a bit scary, a bit different. You guys came in...
0: So, sorry to interrupt. Mm. I, 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 and I know about that East African exodus. I've lived it myself. Sure. You came with nothing. You came here and I know many families who were exiled from East Africa back in those times, the early 70s and the mid-70s, came here with pretty much nothing. They had to leave their businesses, their wealth behind. It was clothes on their back and a suitcase. I think one suitcase per person.
1: We were a little bit more fortunate because we came a bit later than what you're referring to, which is the Idi Amin incident. We came in the 80s. Um, We came purposefully because my uncles and a lot of people had moved here and talked about wealth here and the opportunities here so but yes we did once you convert the shilling to the pound we didn't convert to much so yeah we did have a little bit of money but not much literally the clothes on our back and if a few duvets i think we brought along um anyway so it just a struggle to fit in we were teased there was people calling us off the boat and it took a while for me to learn English. I spoke Swahili and Gujarati, so I had to learn English from scratch. And I always use that as an excuse if I have bad grammar that I was in Africa. But I don't know how long that's going to go on for. It's been going on for a while. <laughs> anyway, and the bullying made me a stronger person because obviously through adversity, we grow stronger. Um, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? So although I... I didn't like the time that I was young and, you know, looking different and being called certain names and there was a little bit of racism. Luckily, I didn't suffer that much racism um, and I never saw it as a glass ceiling that was different. I thought I was like everybody else. Different was more like the clothing and, and so on and I had rich family, cousins, so I always felt a little bit of an outsider.
0: So let me let me just jump in there you had bullying and i think many of us can relate to some kind of some form of bullying or unwanted competition when we were young take that forward for me a little bit what became your your big challenge in those subsequent years in in growing up because i know you know having studied a little bit about your history you definitely had a few hard knocks
1: yeah, so the bullying, I, I think, knocked my confidence. So I lacked self confidence because I felt there was something wrong with me because everybody else around me was obviously judging me and treating me different. I thought it must be me at that age, you don't realize. So I went around with very low self confidence. I fell into accounting because I was good at it. It's not something I really wanted to do. I just felt. Being from a humble background, I wanted to make money. I became very ambitious. So I fell into accounting, really. Um, I did not enjoy it as well. Part of me did, but mostly didn't. So I started to to try other things. I've done many, many other jobs. So I did makeup artist, uh, flower arranging, hairstyles you name it I was trying to get out of accounting but ultimately accounting gave me a foundation and a base then I started to do self-development a little bit reading rich dad poor dad Anthony Robbins and I took some of the advice a bit too literally I think I, I looked at kind of how to make money while you're sleeping investing in shares So I started to look at, you know, how I could make money very quickly to get financial freedom. So I took my credit card and put a lot of things on there. I did spread betting and share dealing and unfortunately it didn't work in my favor. You
0: lost a ton of money.
1: hmm, Basically, very much in debt.
0: Yeah, that's uh, something that I'm sure some of our listeners can relate to, to lose it all.
1: Yeah, I was very much at a low ebb then. I had no money, depressed, overweight, low self-confidence, all of that.
0: So what in all of that, what then became your, uh, your defining moment? What was your major decision, your turning point? What became that juncture when you decided, right, things have got to change?
1: Well, I did pay the debt. Otherwise, you know, I would, I would not be homeless. Luckily I was living with my parents, but you know, you have a 30 place plus grand debt on your head. You don't want that walking around with that. So I decided I had to change. So basically that lowest point, I think at one point I did think about not being around. I wouldn't have done anything with it, but I really didn't want to live. I felt really rubbish about myself. I felt a failure. Um, Yeah, I remember I was very low point in my life, you know, spend days crying in my bedroom. But uh, I guess luckily my personality kicked in. I'm I'm very much a doer and a problem solver. So even though I was in so much debt, I started to do little courses and looking at things about self-development and went deeper into self-development I think Anthony Robbins is one of my heroes because he really got me through this period I read all of his books anything that I could find which was in the library cheap I would get and I would listen to I'm not even sure if the internet was around
0: I'm showing my age now no it was libraries (laughs) I was hanging around those libraries myself
1: I think maybe the internet had started but anyway So with that I gradually started to change and then the biggest thing that came along and I would say would be the defining moment of my life is Reiki, Uh, my brother and Babi had gone to India and they came back with this new thing and they were like can I retry it on you and I was like okay I've never heard of this healing business but okay. So at this point, I was really, you know, going out and partying and just being, you know, trying to get away from my worries and issues. And um, here came this new thing. And I was hooked. I was like, it's amazing. I just felt it straight away. And they told me that, you know, you could try this yourself. You could actually do it on other people.
0: Wait a minute. Now, let me just backtrack for a second. Reiki, tell us a little bit for those of us who may not have come across it. What do you mean by Reiki. Because the way you just described it, it could be an amazing Amazonian herb or plant that people knock back. <laughs> you know, ayahuasca comes to mind. No, and I don't no. want to go down that. That's, a, that's another episode. So what is Reiki? What, it, what was it that your brother and your sister-in-law came back with that got you hooked?
1: Okay, yeah, it does sound like some sort of substance. But no, it's actually a healing modality. So what they did is they learned it. It's, um originated in Japan through a guy called Dr. Usui. It's a long story, so I won't go into it. You can always look this up on the internet. But it basically, use universal energy. So we're all made out of energy. If we go to the lowest point in terms of what we're made of is atoms, and you look into the nuclear of an atom, you'll, you'll see a string of energy. So having that in mind, all around us is energy. And you feel it sometimes, like if you rub your hands together and then you... I can't show you, unfortunately, the podcast, but you kind of play with energy. You can feel it between your hands. That is energy. And what we do as healers, we clean our channels, energy channels. We've all got energy points in our body called chakras, And we, in Reiki practice, concentrate on the seven main chakras which run along your body. Again, you can Google this, and you see it on yoga posters and meditation poses. We have to be a clean channel, so we have to work on ourselves. I had to have uh, three different lessons at different points in time and work on myself to cleanse myself. Through the cleansing, I got rid of a lot of the issues and worries. I'm, you know, it's talking about.
0: So, hang on. So, when you're talking about cleansing, clearly you're not talking here in this context about physiological or biological cleansing as much as sort of psychic emotional cleansing you want to just elaborate on that kind of cleansing a little bit I think that could touch a chord for a lot of people we get so caught up I think now in cleansing our bodies doing detoxes which is such a integral part of healthy living no doubt but the kind of cleansing you're talking about is not often talked about
1: Okay, so I do teach this, that we always have a shower in the morning, so we clean the physical body. I hope we do anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit smelly, but anyway, um, most people do. So we don't look at our aura, our etherical body, astral body. So we all have seven layers of bodies. And everything that we experience, a little bit like the iCloud, it's recorded, all the clutter, all the emotional baggage, it's all in there, in the seven bodies. Through healing, we start to cleanse this, and we start to clean your energy, your aura. So it works, it's, it's a huge topic, I don't think we'll have time for everything with this topic today, but in terms of how to kind of describe it in layman terms... The chakras will get out of balance. So as you go through life, you'll experience trauma. You'll experience not even trauma sometimes. It could just be a relationship breakup, a job that you've lost, uh, an opportunity lost. And some of these things start to embed in your aura. Your thoughts also affect your aura. So if you're a glass half empty kind of person, your aura will start to deplete. So the whole point of it is, to have a big aura, to expand, and to have the chakras in line with each other. So what we do as healers, we look at your chakras, you can actually sense them, feel them, and know if they're out of balance. And we send healing to each chakra to balance you back. And how does that help you? Each chakra has a play, a part to play in your life. It's a bit like people who've done economics, um, Maslow's hierarchical theory, So you can go from the foundation, which is under your spine. There's the root chakra. That's responsible for finance, for abundance, for protection, everything to do with survival in the body. And gradually you work your way up to self-realization. So we work with those chakras to unblock areas of your life. So sometimes people have relationship problems. Right. It could be a pattern that they've learned Mm -hmm. from childhood. It could be their parents had a not such a great relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's learned behavior as well. It's, sometimes it is linked with psychology because that feeling is in your subconscious mind.
0: Yeah, I get that. I think that kind of makes sense. What you're saying is, and let me replay this to you if I've got this. What you're saying is the learned behavior through our habit patterns is almost stored in this subtle hard disk. Yeah. It's a psychic, it's a psychic uh, or astral hard disk, a hard drive of sorts. yeah, uh, like a iCloud, like you said. And all such habits and behaviors get a footprint. A blueprint is left there, and that then becomes something that kind of stays with us. It can drag us down or it's something positive and it can can it lift us up as well? Sure.
1: It just depends on what your thought processes are like. So, for instance, if you were born somewhere, like, Possibly myself, actually, because I moved to England. I had to move houses every so often, initially when we were renting. So my root chakra is not the most balanced because I didn't have that security. I came from a slight poverty mentality, which is no one's fault. I'm not gonna blame my parents. They tried the best they could. So when I was in debt, I had that poverty mentality thinking it's really hard to make money. Money's really hard to come by. I had to retrain myself. I had to really go to my core beliefs and find out what is it that I believe around this topic. And then I had to heal that. And once I healed it, the whole thing turned around. You know I'm you know blessed to be in a comfortable financial situation. All my debts are paid, and actually very much turned around. So any area in your life, if you're struggling, basically it's a mirror for what's going on in your psyche and uh, in your emotions and your feelings and learned behavior now there is other complex issues in this where you know it could be your soul contract it could be part of your learning on this planet and it could be part of karma we talk about karma and spirituality is what you may have done depending on your beliefs there's a belief system that you can be incarnated in this form so whatever you've done in your past life sometimes you come and You decide with we have guardian angels and guides, and with along with those, you decide to come and see it's a punishment. What is there with a big sort of pointing rod or something? You're gonna suffer, but actually, it's your decision to come and Mm. experience these lessons. If you see life as a big learning school, you've come here to learn lessons, and not a lot of people suffer. It's not necessary. Once you learn the lesson, you can move on.
0: I think that I, I can relate to that. That's, uh, if, I guess if, if you were a criminal, you were put in a prison for something that you did wrong, you genuinely committed a crime, you're in prison. If you have a genuine atonement, if you atone for it correctly, if you go through the system and you genuinely feel that you're not going to do this again... Then you've learned that lesson. You 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 you're you're freed from that. You... Yeah, I don't
1: even know if it's atonement as such. I guess you could call it that. I think it's a bit of a strong word because you're paying back, isn't it? Mm. I think it's a recognition that Okay. You know, there's a quality that you're learning from this lesson. So if somebody breaks your heart, maybe in a past life you broke their heart or if somebody steals from you maybe you owed them money from a different life
0: and if you didn't believe in past lives how would you relate that thing there that you know if somebody broke your heart what could that mean could it could it mean something that they had an old habit or thought pattern that was from a younger age that wasn't serving them that caused their heart to be broken is that how you'd yeah,
1: it's possible. Obviously, I'm sort of an advocate of past lives. So I would always sort of relate it because the whole point of my belief system is the soul and the soul carries on. The only way I can relate it to other religions, because I'm not very religion based, more spiritual based, is uh, Christianity and Islam. I believe they believe in heaven and earth. And there is a saying, isn't it? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So that is an element of karma that you pay back to somebody.
0: Right, right. Yeah, and karma karma obviously has its origins in the ancient Vedas, the oldest books known to mankind. And they talk about karma from, what, 8,000 years plus. Scholars may agree or disagree on the exact age of these books, but they're the oldest books known to mankind. And that's where that theme of karma comes. You know, I think in Christianity, they they refer to it as, as you say, eye for an eye, as you sow, so shall you reap. So, you know, we're talking about a soul. We're souls. We're spiritual beings having a human experience, hearing everything you're saying. So everything you've just been describing, how does that then come back to your soul knowing? How do you relate that back to you know, your soul knowing? How does your soul know?
1: It does know. Uh, you just have to tune into it. You have to quiet the noise, as we can say because around us especially living in an urban environment there's so much noise there's so much clutter there's social media facebook tv friends socializing it's all clutter and noise we need to turn it down so we can listen to our soul
0: so yeah and i get that distractions are all over the place can you Give us a case study. Can you give us an example from one of your clients, a case study that exemplifies this soul knowing?
1: Yeah, so going back to what I've sort of mentioned in the past is when you come down, you have a blueprint. So that blueprint is engraved in yourself, in your DNA, in your soul. And when I was an accountant, I knew that I didn't want to be an accountant. The soul kept calling me.
0: It was like The soul knew. The soul knew.
1: Exactly. So without a particular example, I think if you feel a sense of unfulfillment, you know, you see a lot of uh, stars that have made huge amounts of money. What did Jim Carrey say? That everybody should be rich and famous. And they then realize that is not the key to happiness.
0: Wow, that's that's powerful. In fact, you know what? Let me put this out. Um, Folks who are listening right now, join me for a second wherever you are, and if it's safe, just pause for a second what you're doing. Close your eyes if you can, or just be still for a moment. I think join me for this moment. Let's actually explore that right now. Be still. Allow this pause to be like a stretch of time. And in the stillness that we're creating, Cast your mind back to a time when you thought that your soul knew something. Cast your mind back to when you think your soul knew. Has there been a time in your life where you were walking down a particular path in life and yet there was this voice telling you that this ain't where you should be? This is not where you belong. Or these are not the people you need to be around. Or this is not the path, the career, the relationship that you ought to be in. Cast your mind back there and see if that was a time when your soul was speaking to you. So now I think that was what you were getting at, right?
1: Yes, it's that sense of unfulfillment. It's that gut instinct. It's that intuition. You need to start trusting that feeling. That's the feeling that's calling you. It could be in any guise. It could be in a job. In a, you know. As I said, you could be rich. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. That little niggly feeling is your soul talking to you. Now, as you've just demonstrated uh, for a few seconds... You need that quiet space. The best way is through meditation. A lot of people do prayers, which is fine as well. I advocate prayers, but ultimately it's meditation because uh, the saying is, when you pray, you're talking to God. But when you meditate, God is talking to you. I like that. God is part of your higher self. I like that. It's part of your plan. So. When you really connect back to yourself, basically you connect back to your third eye, which when you talk about chakras, it's in the middle of your forehead, depicted by an eye.
0: Right, that's that's the sixth of the seven key chakras, right?
1: And it's your sixth sense. So you know what to do. You know which path to take. All of the answers you've ever needed, they're in your soul. So what you need to do is make that promise to yourself. Make that commitment you know again we talk about our lives being so busy so we we adapt spirituality to people's lives and we say look do 20 minutes do half an hour i know everybody can't sit there for two hours you know meditating every day 20 minutes cut down on facebook cut down on tv cut down on other activities because this will give you the answers what are we here as a human experience people are chasing happiness yeah, this film's called you know, and it's the American Constitution, the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, but in Eastern philosophy, it's happiness is here. It's right now. It doesn't need any pursuing. It's already ingrained in your soul. The natural state of being is sat chit
0: anand. Run that by me one more time.
1: Sat chit. Anand. Sat means eternal truth. Chit means pure consciousness. And Anand means pure bliss. And that's a natural state of being. And once you have that foundation, whatever comes your way, you don't get attached to that situation. So you'll have challenges, you'll have suffering. And in the Eastern philosophy, we accept that. We accept that's part of life. We actually... Like in Buddhism, they welcome suffering because suffering means an involvement of the soul. Through that darkest hour, the lotus Mm. flower comes through the mud.
0: I like that. Through the darkest hour, the lotus flower comes through the mud. But here's my contention. At least in the West, nobody likes suffering. We don't want to suffer. What can we do to somehow practically recalibrate our brains, or reframe that suffering? What's a practical way to do that?
1: It's a good question. And like I'm, I'm from both. So I'm of Indian origin, but I've been brought up in the UK. So I kind of embrace both philosophies. And my mom used to say to me that, you know, you have to embrace suffering because it's gonna be part of your life. Used to actually inflict suffering, so we could get used to it. There's actually a word. Yeah, I'm
0: sure we. A few of us have got parents like that.
1: <laughs> there's a word in Gujarati which is Jai. means you get used to suffering. You actually toughen yourself up. It's almost like martial arts. Yeah,
0: there's an acclimatization, and you know, being a martial artist myself, I definitely can uh, you know attest to that. When we're doing certain moves. They may inflict pain on knuckles or other body parts. Or when you sustain punches or kicks to the body, there is a certain acclimatization. Your body does toughen up to it. There's a principle called Wolf's Law, and that talks about strengthening of joints and bones. So yeah, it eventually toughens you up. Is that kind of what you're saying? Here? Yes, I'm,
1: I'm, so I do not completely agree to inflict pain for the sake of it, but you have to think differently you have to accept suffering i think in the western culture we think we're always trying to run away from it
0: mm. okay that now now you're going somewhere right I, I think i'm getting this you're talking about you're not saying that we just sit there with our hands open wide and say come on suffering bring it on baby bring it on yeah I, and that's so easy to say but i think what you're t- you're talking about a more mature approach which is hey okay nobody likes suffering but don't run away from that suffering. Accept the possibility that that suffering will bring some pain, but recalibrate your attitude to that suffering from something that's just gonna diminish and drag you down to something that's gonna actually help you to rise, toughen and get through it to become a better person.
1: Correct. So if you see suffering as part of life, you not welcome it as such, but you know that it's going to help your evolvement. I always say to people, it's about perception. A friend of okay. mine a long time ago taught me that. So mm-hmm. I could, something could happen to me and it could happen to you. And we would look at it through different glasses. Mm. So say somebody had a car crash. You had a car crash. I had a car crash. To me, it might be like, oh my God, thank God I'm alive. It's only a car. To you, it might be like, oh, my God, this happens to me all the time. How much is this going to cost? You're going to make a huge drama because your glasses are
0: different to mine. Right. But the
1: same incident happened to both same of Same incident
0: us. is the perception and Correct. the interpretation.
1: Because you're not expecting any suffering. You're like, life's going to be great. It's going to be happy. And we're going to pursue constant happiness. From the other view, it's actually, we know there's going to be suffering. We know there's going to be challenges. But what if you were to view the challenges as welcome additions to your life? To say, what can I learn? What lesson is there? We're all human. We're, we're going to get upset. We're going to be down for a little while. But it's how you start to pick yourself up. How you rise from the ashes like a phoenix. How you learn the lesson. And how you become a better person. If I, I would sit here today, all of the things that have happened to me makes me who I am there's not many regrets, all of the nasty things, the people have been horrible to me, there's, you know, not enough time today to go through some of these things. But basically, I don't mind, I thank those people.
0: So you could say, I like that, that's such a mature way to look at it. I guess you've kind of answered the question that I was gonna throw at you. Uh, And this journey that you have just taken us through about kind of rephrasing how we think about it is is just answered it you know how do we see mistakes along this path how do we you know how do we treat mistakes that happen along this journey when we're just waiting for the soul to speak to us and you kind of just said it the soul is speaking to us if a, if a, if an incident occurs that causes suffering along that journey that's still the soul speaking you still need to embrace that and open yourself up to the learning and not get so caught up in the suffering.
1: Correct. That's why I I like my clients to look at it from a bigger perspective, a bigger picture, because we only look at life in the moment, in the, the two weeks, the two months, the year. We don't look at life in totality, whether it's, you know, 90 years, some people obviously have a slightly shorter lifespan, but let's say 90 is the norm now. We only look at it from that perspective. You know, that saying a lot of um, elder people say, this too shall pass, and it will. If it won't matter in five years, what's the big deal? And if it will matter in five years, what can you learn from it? We get too ingrained in the suffering. So actually, we were much happier if we just accepted whatever happened to us. If we just went with the flow, and Eastern philosophy teaches you that, that you become so good internally. So sort of, that's one of the biggest things in spirituality go inside. It's so cliche, but it's all internal. It comes all within because once you set up your foundation, you can take any knock. As we said about martial arts, once you've mm. kind of become resilient, anything can come your way. You can handle it. Yes, and how can you get that it's from self-knowledge, self-awareness a lot of us don't, are not aware of who we are, we run away from ourselves so what do I mean by that, running away from ourselves, well a lot of us hide ourselves in busyness this is a new thing, I'm busy I'm busy, I'm busy we hide ourselves in social media we hide ourselves watching TV we hide ourselves with food anything to drown up that voice The thing is, to get to know ourselves is to face our demons. In spirituality, we both have um, yin and yang, darkness and light. And that darkness and light is within us. Carl Jung talked about the shadow self. We all have that. It doesn't make us bad people. We need to see ourselves the way we are before we can progress and move forward. But a lot of people are not prepared to put the work in.
0: You talked about seeing ourselves. The way the soul has spoken to you and the way that it's taken you on this journey that you've been on with the ups and downs, where do you see yourself in the future? What do you see your future to be like?
1: Ah, It's a very good question. For me, I just want to plant the seed of spirituality in as many people as I can to awaken people's souls.
0: Sort of like a spiritual gardener.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Maybe a soul whisperer. I would like to be...
0: I like that. Soul whisperer.
1: I like to be remembered as my legacy saints on my deathbed or my eulogy that made a difference.
0: So we're not seeing any fancy cars and big houses on Snare Roundy's future? That's that's not really what rocks you about?
1: Not really. I like nice things as everybody, you know, makes your life comfortable, but I'm not attached to it. If it's part of the journey, it's fine. Obviously, I'd rather use the money to help the homeless and starving kids and... I'm very much into veganism, so I like to help the animals.
0: whole other podcast, baby. A whole other podcast.
1: Yeah. I love a lot of money because of that reason. I feel like money does open doors. I don't think that money and spirituality have to be mutually exclusive. They can work hand in hand, but I don't need it. I'm quite happy. I just feel like it will open doors and it will get my message to more people.
0: Okay, so tell us about your daily rituals.
1: Okay, so basically I try to set myself up for the day. Maybe not every day, but most of the week I'll get up. I'll start off with a meditation. And then part of the meditation is a gratefulness. You can keep a journal or you can just do it in your mind. I just do it in my mind. I say three to five things I'm grateful for. And it could be the simplest thing, it could be a sunny day in England. We're very grateful for that. <laughs> it could be the air that you breathe, it could be your health, the smallest things that we don't recognise. And what that does, it lifts your vibration for the day. It invites better experience and it helps to manifest, which I do as well. I teach manifestation. Again, a new different podcast, but it helps basically to set you up for the day and then go to the gym and have my green smoothies and a protein shake afterwards. So, um, and maybe you go for a walk if it's a good day, maybe not to the gym because nature is very good as well It's spreading negative ions and raising your vibration.
0: Nice, I like that. And I know from studying a little bit about your adventures that there's more to your ritual than that but I think we'll save that for uh, another episode and I'd love to hear more about manifestation and abundance I know those are two subjects that people approach you a lot about you're a bit of an authority in that and we've heard about that so uh, let's save that for another time I would like to conclude this by having something for all our listeners top three take home practical tips for the urban spiritualist out there to start adopting into their daily lives?
1: Okay, it's a good question. The biggest thing I would say to anyone to progress your spirituality, and I cannot emphasize this enough, is get to know yourself. I know there's time restraint, but keeping a journal would really help you because when you have a journal which is, your own thing you don't have to give it to your partner it's a very personal thing you can write your gratefulness in the morning you can write your thought patterns you can start to really analyze yourself so i would say that look at how you behave in certain situations get some help if you feel like you can't do it on your own there's lots of people like myself look up the industry people that are similar in your area or you know obviously i'm on zoom and skype but really, really get to know yourself. Secondly, meditate. Meditate, meditate, meditate. I cannot tell you enough. We'll
0: be like a bare minimum? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But we'll be like a bare minimum for the busy, corporate, professional, average listener here who is living that kind of busy life by choice or otherwise? So
1: I get a lot of people coming up. I can't switch off. There's always things going on in my head. And I understand. So you have to give it some commitment and some consist- consi- ugh, consist- I can't say it. consistency. So, you know, I always give the gym as an example. When you first go to the gym, you can't, you know, lift 20, 30 unless you're really strong. You always start with 5, 10 kg and you work your way up. You can't run 10 miles, so you start with a mile. The same thing with meditation. I'd recommend starting with half an hour a day Maybe a lot for some people, but I think you can find half an hour if you cut down on certain activities. And imagine that can bring down your blood pressure, can sort out your thought processes, can make you more creative, can calm you down, give you peace. And ultimately, what we're all searching for is make you a happier person. So start with that. And within that, I'm telling you, you're going to think about other things, I guarantee it. So don't get hung up on that because I get people go, I can't do it because I think about other things. Right. You're going to think things. That's the
0: common trap of meditation, right? Give up because your mind goes elsewhere. And I, I think I remember in the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna says, whenever and wherever the mind wanders due to its restless and flickering nature, one must bring it back to the self. One must bring it back under control of our consciousness.
1: Totally, because ultimately, as we call it the chimp mind, it wants to jump around. I think it's something like we have twelve thousand to eighty thousand thoughts a day. Can you imagine. So how do we control those thoughts? We can't. We have to just let them be, let them flow through us. and then as the more you do it, your muscle will grow your meditation muscle. And you'd be able to Nice. I like that.
0: Meditation muscle. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to use that one.
1: I'll let you that. <laughs> do so. <laughs> so what I say is when you do half an hour, maybe first time, three minutes, and then, you know, next week, 10 minutes and so on.
0: So it's a progressive buildup. There is mm-hmm. that, there's scope for that. You know, we're all about here on, on, on Urban Spirituality. We're all about the practical applications practicality of doing these things. So a progressive expansion yeah. from a few minutes gradually to a half hour.
1: Again, we're all about, you know, success and failure. Either we're failed or we're successful. There's no gray, but there is gray here because it takes time. And even if he goes those three minutes, and also it's me time. You know, we're all rushing around like headless chickens in these cities. If we set an appointment with ourselves to do this, and people do come home and watch TV to, you know, switch themselves sure. off. Sure. Not, you know.
0: We're not here to beat people up.
1: Exactly. We're not judging that. However, not
0: on this episode, anyway. <laughs> maybe another one. No, 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 no. Yeah, watch out, guys. <laughs> guys and girls, we're definitely going to take that stick out and whip it round. <laughs> not today.
1: So it's fine. But I had a client who watched uh, a famous comedy all evening long. And I said, well, just miss one episode and do a bit of meditation. Nice. Look at your lifestyle, fit it around your life, because if you're unrealistic, if you want to go, I'm going to do it five days a week for one hour a day, it's not going to happen. Right. Even if you start off with three, four times a week, it's fine, because like, the weekend you have a little bit more time. See so yeah, how you go. Don't set yourself up for fail- failure. There is no such thing as failure, because...
0: It's a lesson, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. One, it's one of them lessons. Yeah, definitely. So... was number two wasn't it
0: that was number two so we've got here we've got number one get to know yourself use a journal reach out to a therapist a professional who can help you if you feel you need that help from somebody else to be a mirror somebody who can be there to coach you and whom you can reflect with and upon number two meditate find a way to integrate it into your life make it a practical reality and number three one more
1: this is very important, and again, how to learn from my own life, is association.
0: Association?
1: Who do you associate with? Who are your friends? Who are your closest people? It's a saying, isn't it? The five closest people define you. So who are they? And I'm not saying move away from them, because obviously there's history, there's love. But are they your cheerleaders? Do they support you? Do they add value to your life? Do they take away value? And you need to surround yourself with people of the same vibration. Naturally, the universe may even take care of it. When you start meditating and raising your vibration, your friend circle may change. It happened to me. My whole circle changed. Yeah,
0: I totally can relate to that. That's happened to so many people I know, Uh, people who come on our retreats and we see these, individuals expressing the same thing on our workshops as well that almost as if by some mysterious happenstance people's friends and social circles start to transmorph from what they used to be to something different sometimes it's uncomfortable they don't want to do it but it ends up being a good thing
1: it really is because at the time it can be painful because you've known these people for many years maybe and you have certain patterns that you work through with them but then, once you have gone through the transition, you realise and the people are in your corner, they're supporting you, they're pushing you, and you're doing that for each other. You have that support system around you to push you to, to spiritual evolution. That's the whole point of this life, is to evolve spiritually. We so get lost in the illusion, the Maya. We think it's about success, it's about how we do well, our status, We pursue the wrong things. The biggest thing is how are you going to go up one notch maybe in the spiritual ladder? Because the whole point is to break the death birth cycle and to become an energy. And, you know, it's a big topic, but that's what we're here for. Let's not forget that. Let's go back as we started this whole conversation to the soul Is connect back and realize the true meaning and purpose of life. And it can be different to, you know, Mm -hmm. what your belief system. I'm not into preaching a particular religion or a particular way.
0: Right. People are individuals after all.
1: Exactly. But within that context, get back to that. What is your legacy? What difference are you going to make?
0: Your essence, your dharma.
1: Exactly. What is
0: it that defines you, that moves you, that compels you and speaks to you? The soul speaking, the soul knows.
1: Exactly. And what is that thing that you're going to leave behind? Why were you here? Why, why was Prash here? Why was Sneha here? Are you going to leave the world a tiny bit better than you found it? Are you going to make it a better place?
0: I'm going to take a deep breath. Sneha, mm-hmm. this has been edifying to say the least. I hope all of you who are listening out here have felt something resonate within yourself with what now has been sharing on this episode. These three takeaways are priceless in themselves. And I think it's one of those things that we hear so much about again and again, meditate, get to know yourself. But guess what? That's how the soul learns to speak. We just got to give it a chance. Snell, it's been an absolute honor to have you. Please tell us how we can find out more about you.
1: So thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Uh, so I have different ways. Obviously, there's many ways of contacting each other now. So I have a website. It is uh, R-O-L CENTER is spelled the English way with a T-R-E dot com. I'm also on Facebook. You can find me under the handle Sneha Ramji or Ray of Light Spiritual Centre. And I'm also on Instagram as Ray of Light Spiritual Centre and Sneha Ramji. So hook me up. Look me up. And uh, if you have any questions, I'll be happy to answer it.
0: Sneha, thank you so much, everybody listening out there. Be safe, stay strong and let your soul speak. It's Prashke, your host. Over and out. Namaste.
1: Namaste. Thank you.